Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me here in week two is my co-host, Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? And you prove it as week two, Michael. Um, I can. I can prove that it is week two. Go to the internet. Go to hashtag basketball.com. Go to the advanced NBA schedule grid, which is the best tool for your head-to-head leagues. I, I still think it's the best tool I found on the internet for my head-to-head leagues. Uh, click on week two, and if you see today's date in there, which I do, that's how you prove it's week two. Maybe they just want you to think it's week two. All right. Now Tyler's getting into conspiracy theories. Uh, I think there is a conspiracy theory here in week two. Uh, why is there 13 games tonight? That's There's no reason that there needed to be 13 games tonight. That's insane. Uh, um, I don't know. I feel like we sometimes make these big scheduled days to more feature the games on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, on TNT, usually. I don't really know why that is, but it is, it yeah. is something. Like, you're you're still featuring the game on TNT. Like, it's it's still being played as the only game that you can watch without League Pass or NBA TV. So, like, it is still being featured. You can have, like, a couple games extra on Tuesday. Yeah, but I guess if you're, the, if you're the, the guy who watches basketball every night, um, or the gal, right? Um, we want people to tune into those TNT games. And so if you're playing other games at the same times, somebody might, you know, Pacers fan might watch the Pacers instead of watching, I don't know, whoever's on TNT. And so I think the thought process... And that's fine, right? But I think the TNT wants everyone to tune into their game. So TNT probably pushes for that in the contract, and they get it. Good for them, good for the contracts, good for the people who make a shit ton of money off of the labor of the players. Speaking of labor and players, uh, one player who has not um, put any labor into this season has just been traded. That's a pretty good segue, Tyler. Uh, James Harden, we got to talk about the James Harden trade. Of course, it is just, uh, you know, it just happened. James Harden, PJ Tucker on their way to the Clippers, and uh, a whole slew of dudes coming back, along with some draft picks, to the 76ers. Beautiful Bob Covington, uh, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, uh, KJ Martin, and some draft picks, all headed to the 76ers. Um, Great news, I think, for, for two people. One, anybody who has James Harden on their team, great news. James Harden's gonna play some basketball. And anybody who's got Tyrese Maxey uh, on their team, you're already happy that James Harden wasn't playing, and now it's official. Tyrese Maxey is going to be the guy, and looks like the guy, in Philadelphia. I think all that's right, all that's correct, all that uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, I will say that I'm interested to see what the Clippers look like from here, right? Um, obviously there's going to be... Some games where James Harden is the only game in town, but right now they seem healthy. Um, they just had their first back-to-back of the season. Uh, the second game is on uh, Wednesday night. It looks like Kawhi and Paul George are both going to play. 
Now, okay. it's a weird schedule quirk in this back-to-back because they don't play again until the 6th. Um, so weird. they do have an extended break after this back-to-back, which is strange. Um, I don't make the schedule. But are Kawhi and PG going to keep playing in back-to-backs? Are they going to avoid serious injury? Those are questions I cannot answer. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what James Harden looks like with them. I mean, obviously Russell Westbrook's there too. Um, James Harden and Russell Westbrook always circling around each other in some way, shape, or form. Um, so yeah, like how do we split up the touches? Who gets the ball? All that. Um, we know James is going to have the ball quite a bit because he's James Harden. That's the way he plays. Um, how much is a good question, right? Like, do we see the 10 assists we saw last year? Or do we see something closer to, you know, seven and a half, eight when he started with the, you know, Clippers or started with the Rockets and, you know, most of three through his glory days, he had, you know, kind of like seven and a half assists a game. Yeah. I think this kind of gets messy quickly, right? Um, we talk about the big three over in Phoenix. Um, I guess if you want to call Bradley Beal part of a three, but Booker, Beal, KD, uh, the third guy, we always say in any big three situation, two guys eat, the third guy takes a step back. Obvious that Beal is the third guy in that situation, right? But there's going to be plenty of nights where, I mean, Beal hasn't even played yet. Booker's been sitting. So it's the KD show. KD's getting, you know, good stats. Uh, Booker's going to come in, get good stats. Beal's eventually going to come in. KD's going to go out. That's going to be a, a a rotation of, I'd say, not very often will they have all three of those guys healthy. In the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden situation, uh, you would think something similar where they would rotate in and out, make sure everybody's healthy for the playoffs. That's all they really care about. You got Russ in there, who is also a ball-dominant player. And, I mean, if, if we're talking about big three, is James Harden the third dude here? Isn't Paul George and Kawhi Leonard better currently at basketball than James Harden? Yeah, but... Can the third guy be a uh, main ball handler? Because, right, we talked about, like, that's why Russ was so good for them last year when they picked him up after the trade deadline. was like, the Clippers desperately needed someone to get them in their sets, to run the offense, to get Kawhi and PG open where they wanted the ball, right? Because Kawhi and PG are great. They're great scorers. They can make plays, but, like, they're much more, like, focused on scoring themselves than they are, like, running an offense and setting things up and getting people in the spots that they specifically want to be in. I think that's where Harden is really good. Yeah. And so when Harden's going to have the ball, the question I guess is, you know, A, what does Harden have left in the tank? And B, how many shots does he take? It'll be a tough one. I, I don't think we're going to see a similar Harden to previous years. I think those numbers are going to be down a little bit just because there's so much ball sharing going on there. I'm very interested to see what happens with Russ. Russ being, in if you're in a points league, and shit, if you're in a categories league, you probably got Russ Westbrook on a roster. Uh, I don't know if that continues with James Harden being the primary ball handler here uh, in LA. I'm going to say it doesn't. Like Westbrook is going to turn into uh, either a bench guy or a streaming guy. Uh, Bones Highlands value uh, in deeper leagues definitely uh, falls off the planet. Uh, shit, Norman Powell's value probably falls off the falls off just a little bit as well. I don't. I, re- I really don't know what's going to happen here, but I, I I do think Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they'll continue to be 
good, as good as they normally are, but not as great as they can be, simply because there's too many mouths to feed here. Uh, per game value, you have to select a clipper. Who are you taking first? Per game value? Ooh. Yep, Mike only fantasy league, only eight categories. Oh, that's tough. When was the that is tough. When was the last time Kawhi Leonard was I'm leaning towards him because his his per game value is pretty nuts. But, so um, to, to to give you a hint here, or at least I'm, I'm gonna go with Kawhi Leonard because I'm a roto guy. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Joey has them nineteenth, twenty first, and twenty fourth in per game value. Um, so all very good, all uh, extremely close. I think I might go with Harden, just in the sense that like. If he can get you like eight, eight and a half, nine assists, like that's the eliteness right there. So assuming, I mean, he only scored 21 points a game last year, which is an only for Harden because we've seen lots of years where he scored 30 or pretty close. Yeah. Um, so if he's going to get you 21 and nine, like six rebounds and because they're going to play small a lot, right? So the rebounds are going to be there for all three of them. Because you got to feel like they're, they're going to start Russ or they're going to start Terrence Mann, right? And then they're going to start Zubak. And Zubak's and, not going to be on the court for certain teams, right? Yeah, and Lou, well, Lou loves to play small, right? Lou will play, you know, Lou played like Marcus Morris and some of those guys at center, right? In the small ball lineups, especially in the playoffs. So, you know, they're going to experiment with those lineups even during the regular season. Um, so you got to feel like Russ, even Russ is going to play a good amount. Um and so, yeah, like, when, when healthy, I feel like I might just be leaning towards James Harden. Plus, of those three, like, I feel best about James Harden playing, like, 60 games. And maybe I shouldn't, but I do. That's fair. I think he has been the healthiest over time, right? Uh, I just don't know. Like, I just think it's going to be kind of a clusterfuck. Because I just don't think... I'm trying to figure out how this whole thing works with all those different players, and I, I I don't see it right now. And maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe this maybe the Clippers should be favored to win the entire league for God's sake. So it's Harden, Kawhi, Paul George. Like when healthy, that's a probably the best top three in the whole league. So uh, uh, oh, I'd argue I this. Try it out. Ask me, if, tell me if this is a crazy thought. Assuming George and Kawhi are healthy in the playoffs. We'll just speak about the playoffs, right? Now, James Harden has been... Uh, he's had his share of playoff meltdowns, let's put it that way, right? So, like, consider that fact. But I'd argue Kawhi and Paul are, like, the two guys you want around Harden in the playoffs, because Harden doesn't really play any defense. Now you can play Harden at kind of, like, the four, where, like, he is strong and, like, hard to back down and those kind of things, right? So, like, he actually does best, like, guarding bigger players, I think. Because, like, he just doesn't care enough to stay in front of ball handlers. Does that make sense? Whereas, like, Kawhi and yes. Paul George can do that. And so, like, in the, in the playoffs, I actually kind of like the fit as opposed to a lot of other situations we've seen James Harden in because I'm like, Kawhi and Paul George are both really good defenders, like, still. Absolutely. When they want to be. Um, yeah, when they're trying, so when they're, they're fully healthy, absolutely. They still are. Absolutely. Now, obviously, the huge risk of this team is they could all play 50 games and none of them could be healthy in the playoffs. And then obviously the Clippers are, if they even make it eliminated in the first round. Yeah. And we, I mean, that's more likely what's going to happen, but for fantasy basketball wise, like moving forward, 
I don't think like I'm selling any of these dudes. Um, I, I'm not getting ex- like I, I'm I'm not expecting any like huge downside from anybody other than Westbrook. I guess I would probably. I mean Westbrook. We knew Westbrook was whatever. Like you know what you're getting from him. I don't think you're gonna get anything. You're gonna get less from him basically moving forward. I don't. Um, I don't know if I would go out and try to like shop any of these dudes, but I certainly wouldn't go out and try to buy any of these guys right now. No, not until we see a game. If one of them, like, say two of them eat in the first game and one of them is not very good, I might try to buy that player just at a ridiculously low value and kind of get some, yes, some found money there. But other than overall, that, they'll be they'll be fine. But in, in, in the long term, whoever that third person is yeah. will be fine. Over in Philly, um, I'd say, you know, they got they got a nice haul. Batum and Covington are very playable this season. Or Philly beefing up their, you know, their defense. Uh, I I don't know. Philly is like a nice uh, finals dark horse coming out of the East. Joel Embiid is going to be fine. Tyrese Maxey is going to eat. Tobias Harris has been playing very well. Um, are his minutes and DeAnthony Melton's minutes at risk here with the introduction of Bob Covington and Batum? Or do they kind of stay similar and you see that deeper rotation of Paul Reed, Kelly Oubre Jr., who's had a really nice start to the season, those guys uh, suffer more. Well, they also sent out Tucker here, right? So Tucker was playing. So you got to feel like like probably sure. Covington, maybe Batum, someone's going to slot right into that spot, right? Like, it's a it's a like-for-like like replacement, yes. right? A power forward who's kind of a small ball shooter on offense and, you know, plays some decent defense. Like, that's a that's a one-for-one. One. So... You know, then you're gonna say, I, I feel like Morris wasn't even with the team in LA, so you gotta feel like he's probably not gonna play. And KJ Martin is a total flyer at this point, so he's probably not gonna play. So, yeah, he's I'm assuming play. you're looking for like maybe 20 minutes a game for Batum just because he's getting up there and he's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think he can handle much more than like 20, 22 minutes a game. So, I would say you just you clean out someone like Paul Reed or, you know, Daniel House and you play him those minutes. That's fair. I think um I would continue to stream Bob Covington for the same reasons you were streaming him when he was with the Clippers. For sure. Uh, you're going to get those counting stats. They're going to bump you up. It's going to be nice. This team's also going to try to get somebody else. I don't know, but they're going to try to use those pieces too. I mean, all the pieces, the draft picks too, to get somebody of consequence, whether that's someone like from the Bulls, you know, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, whether that's insert other star or all-star who wants to be traded by the deadline. Like, it, they're going to try to get somebody. So I think this team is kind of a... Uh, I wouldn't be holding too tightly to any, like, streamer guy on this team. Let's put it that way. Like, Kelly Oubre, fine, you want to pick him up, stream him some games. He could be somewhere else and or just having a very small role by the end of the season. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair assessment because I, I, I do think right now, especially with the Harden debacle there, uh, 
it's a win now situation. It is a contend and win now situation for Joel Embiid, um, or else he's going to be looking elsewhere, right? And I think that's Maury knows that. So I think it is, it is they're going to pull out all the stops to contend. And quite frankly, I think they will contend. Um, I, I think it's a really it's a really good team. Um, well, and you know they're they're going to have to beat the Bucks in Boston, and that's that's going to be the difficult. thing we know about Maury, right? He loves to make trades, so. Uh, to say this is a finished roster with like four months to go before the deadline is probably pretty crazy. That dude certainly loves making trades. Tyler, let's uh, let's go out here. I want to talk about a handful of players that have had really uh, fantastic starts to the season and kind of get, get get our take on it. I feel like a couple of these guys, we either, I would say, A, were mediocre on like i, I certainly weren't, we weren't saying do not draft these dudes uh but we certainly weren't as high on them as they currently are ranked granted it has been three games everyone stop freaking out stop panicking stop thinking you have the next lebron james stop thinking that your um player who you drafted in like the sixth round seventh round is the worst player in the history of mankind i think uh someone asked me if they should when they should give up on um, on Scoot Henderson, and the answer to that question is not in the first week, and probably not in the first month. This was hopefully your seventh round pick, like sixth round, seventh round pick. If you went a little earlier there, hoping for gold, he's a rookie. Uh, probably not going to be the most stable, a rookie guard, not going to be the most stable player in the world. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, don't don't panic. Don't give up on anybody. Also, don't get too excited about a couple of these players. But I, I there's a couple of these players that I this very particular player is a player that we both were kind of confused why he wasn't better. Now he is playing at a very very high level. Oh, Teddy Barnes, Teddy Barnes up in Toronto. Um, if I'm if I'm doing my math right here, if I'm clicking on the right buttons. When it comes to uh, our rankings over at hashtag basketball.com per game is the 12th best player in the league per game. Yeah, the Raptors have been weird, but Scotty Barnes has been really good. Is that fair? Like, Scotty Barnes, um, yeah. like the Raptors are just kind of uneven, but they're putting the ball in his hands a little bit more, right? More assists, uh, a lot more rebounds, uh, some really good blocks that are probably not sustainable. Like, is he blocking two and a half shots a game? I don't think so, um, but a real interesting mix yeah. of like, you know, we talk about the kind of like one, one and one player, right? Like he could easily be that with like five rebounds and like eight assists and 20 points a game. Like that's a real interesting fantasy option real fast. So, um, yeah, I, I don't expect some of this to stick, but at the same time, like Scotty Barnes is definitely young and probably taking a leap and, um, yeah, he looks really good. He's 22 years old. He's very young. Uh, like you're saying, the Raptors, I don't doesn't feel like they know what direction they want to head if they want to contend for a play-in or if they want to blow the team up. Uh, Pascal Siakam, by the way, Pascal Siakam by low, uh, is shooting 39%. He's definitely playing poorly. Um, Pascal Siakam not known for his free throws, so like that percentage isn't really going to come up. But I feel like his... His play style and Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi's all their play styles are like so overlapping 
It's that it's like almost like a miniature like uh, backwater big three where it's like the 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 third guy here is going to have to, you know, take a little bit of a backseat. And right now, Scotty Barnes is saying, I'm I'm the dude. Pascal Siakam has been the dude for a while, but no, I'm the dude now. And I don't know. I I think that I, I don't think either one of those things is true. Scotty Barnes is great. I actually always liked Scotty Barnes since he came into the league. He's got flashes of, of greatness. You're seeing it already. But you stated some really great points, Tyler. His blocks are two and a half. They've never been over one. Uh, his shooting percentage right now, he's shooting 52%. He usually shoots like 45%. And uh, the nice thing, though, is that the rebounds and assists are up. Those are sustainable. The other two things are not. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he's taking more shots than he's ever taken, too. So you like that. Um, I still think he could average 20 points a game. Just because they need it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, there's... Yeah, so, someone's got right. a score here. Uh, and can he get you a block and a steal? Yeah, he probably can do that. Like, a block and a steal. Like, one of each. Um, rebounds are coming down, though, to, like, seven and a half at best, probably. Maybe, maybe, maybe eight. He might maybe sneak in eight. Um, the assists are going to be up, I think, just because he is handling the ball a little bit more, and Dennis Schroeder is not the same playmaker as Fred VanVleet, so that was kind of the replacement there. So I think the assists are real at five and a half. Um, the rest of it, but again, I mean, like he's still going to be, he's still going to end up probably ranked higher than where you picked him. So it was good. It was a nice find if you if you did take him. Yeah, I think so. Like we said, he's top 15 right now, number 12 per overall. I mean, that is a sell high, period, because if you can get a top 20 player for Scotty Barnes right now, that's a no-brainer, top 25 player even. That's absolutely a, no, uh, a no-brainer. He's uh, getting a huge bump out of his um, incredible efficiency, five-and-a-half assists with two-and-a-half blocks and a steal and over a three-pointer. I'm hoping we're seeing... The beginning of Scotty Barnes being able to be a one-one-one guy, like that would be nice. Um, but to think that he's like a one and a half, one and a half, two and a half guy, probably not. Like that—that's an insane leap that I just don't think is is feasible. But I do think the points uh, are real, the rebounds and the uh, and the assists are real. And you, if you give him, like that's a top forty, top fifty, top forty guy. If you bring his blocks and his three-pointers, and his percentages back down to a realistic space. And so if you're able to get, like, a top 30, top 20 guy for Scotty Barnes, you are selling high. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to get that for him, but, you know, like, but if you can, uh, someone is getting a little antsy out there, go, uh, absolutely go for it. Um, I want to talk about another player who I think, uh, I mean, actually, I think what they're what they're doing is fairly sustainable uh jalen duran who uh per game value 23rd overall jalen duran is doing the thing that we that you want to see like traditional centers like nick claxton like uh walker kessler those guys who we said hey don't get too excited about these dudes uh their points rebounds and blocks and nothing else jalen duran is, is doing that at the level where it's like, okay, if you're going to be shooting like almost 70% on 10 shots a game and getting like 14 rebounds a game and two blocks with three assists and almost a steal, that is a traditional center I actually want to have on my roster versus what we've seen from some of those, you know, what we expected from all those guys that we told you to avoid, all those 
you know, very traditional non three point shooting centers. Like Jalen Dern is your best case scenario on that. And I don't know why that wouldn't be something that continues for Jalen Dern on this Detroit team. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one thing I don't think he can keep up. 5.3 offensive rebounds a game. Okay. Seems like a lot. See, that seems nice. that seems like it would lead like the league lot. by far. Like, uh, did, who led the league last year at offensive rebounds per game? Do you know? Oh. Uh, Draymond. Oh, come on. Real guess. Real uh, guess only. How many do you think he Sabonis. had? Four. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I gotta make sure this is the right year. 2022, 2023. Yep. Okay, I'm on the right year. It was Mitchell Robinson, and he had four and a half. Clint Capella had four. He was second. Jalen Duran was actually third, 3.4. Um, but yeah. you're looking at okay. 0.8 more blocks than the best person in the league last year. Or 0.8 more offensive rebounds. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said blocks. Uh, 0.8 more offensive rebounds per game is a heck of a lot of rebounds, and probably not something that's going to happen. So, um, you gotta feel like that. Number- I don't disagree, but if you if you go from fourteen uh three thirteen and a half rebounds a game to like eleven and a half rebounds a game, I'd still like you. Especially if that assist number is real. Yeah, I mean one hundred percent I'm not I'm not throwing like really any cold water on Duran. I'm just saying like five point three would be the most offensive rebounds in a game in like the last at least the last five years. I've looked back in the last five years and every year the top guys like right around uh five Drummond had five point four in 2019 that that was like the peak of his ultimate rebounding powers there uh he had 5.4 rebounds a game offensive rebounds a game what what i like about duran though as well is he's doing this in about 31 minutes a game versus scotty barnes who is playing out of his mind in 37 and a half minutes a game like there's not many more minutes scotty barnes can play why there's a couple minutes that Jalen Duran could play. One hundred percent, and Duran's been really good, and Duran is super young, and so like it's easier to think the breakout is is very real. Because he's nineteen, right? Like, um, yeah. For a guy who's doing this at like twenty seven, you go like, oh, dude, like he's probably not going to keep this up. But like someone like Barnes, someone like Duran, like you could be like, all right, well he's young, he could you know really take a leap forward in some areas we didn't expect. Plus, he is playing six more minutes a game than he did yeah. last year. I mean, like that's worth mentioning. Hundred percent, but I think like with Jalen Duran, the ceiling, the 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 roof is the ceiling, um, because maybe he gets more points, maybe the rebounds are sustainable, maybe the blocks are sustainable, right? Where, how much higher could this guy go? Maybe if he gets, if, if he just gets a little bit better, maybe he gets a couple more touches. A lot of his, you know, a lot of his points, a lot of his shots are dunks around the rim, lobs, etc., putbacks, etc. So where does he get better? Now being a top twenty-five player, like you're not really complaining too much as a you know as a traditional center, right? But you're you're definitely being propped up with your field goal, uh, your rebounds, which are desperately needed because there's not a lot of good rebounders out there, and your blocks. You're being propped up a little bit when it comes to rankings, right? But like, would you rather have the ceiling of Jalen Duran or would you rather rather have the ceiling of Jaron Jackson? I mean, yeah, it's a fair point. For Duran, too, like, you can't even really say, like, you want him to get more shots because there's a lot of diminishing returns there. Is If he takes more shots, they're not going to be right at the rim, so he's not going to shoot 68% from the field anymore. He's going to shoot, like, he's going to shoot, like, 60 or, you know, 58. 
just a significant drop off. So yeah, like there there's nowhere really for him to go other than he blocks two and a half shots a game and he gets you a steal. That would be the two like the two places where Duran could like improve a slight amount still. Yeah. That would be fantastic. That would be great. Like Chet Hogan's ceiling is higher because Chet can shoot threes. Um, he's not gonna. I don't think Chet will ever be that type of monster rebounder or anything like that. But uh, you know, there's there's a limit to Jalen Duran's ceiling, and and like you're almost you're you're almost there already, like right now. So if there's ever been a time to sell high, like I would, I, I mean, I would sell high right now, uh, unless like you absolutely need that type of center. Which then hold on, hold on for the ride. Like it'll be fun. Yeah, um, I think you are spot on everything you said um, about Duran. And basically, I guess my one thing was like I was trying to look to see like if he played some like real easy rebounding matchups. Um, but I mean, he did go against Bam Adebayo. I think in that first game, as long as Bam Adebayo played, um, so it's not been all like real easy sledding for him. Um, I think it's fair to say that some of this is real and. I think the numbers are going to regress some too. Like, is he one block? Is he one and a half blocks? Is he two blocks a game? That's the part that's really going to separate him from being a top 50 player to a top 20 player. And if he's one block a game, he's even with the rebounds, right? He's still probably like a top 50 player, like barely. And so I, and I kind of, I mean, okay, let's just look at it this way. Per 36 last year, he blocked 1.3 shots a game. I'm much more going to believe that 67 game sample size than I am going to be the 2.3 blocks he's getting this year in four games. So again, like he's, if he's playing 30 minutes, he's down to like 1.1, 1.2. It's good, but it's not two. There's another guy on this team I want to talk about, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll say that for a second because I want to talk. There's, there's two rookies that I would say we did not. You said, like, draft him at the end of your draft, and actually one of them we said don't draft, uh, who are playing well enough to talk about. I want to talk about one more surprising player who I think is in um, a new role, similar to Scotty Barnes, similar to Jalen Duran. They're in a new role on a good team, and they're they're, they're showing signs of breakout. And I, I want to get your, your take on how real is that breakout versus how is that minutes rolled, etc. Uh, Keegan Murray in Sacramento playing 34 minutes a game, like, legitimately, is currently ranked 41st overall while shooting under 40%. He's shooting 39.5%. He uh, normally shoots about 45 46%. So he's shooting uh, poorly, taking a lot more shots, taking 14 shots a game compared to 10 last season. He's hitting more threes. He's scoring more points. He's getting significantly more rebounds. Um, the steals and the blocks are a little inflated with the small sample size, but you know that would be like a trending upwards uh, if he can, if he can be one in you know over a half a block a game. That's that's a trend upwards that you like to see from a 23 year old. I'm like I'm like buy I'm like buy on I'm a buy on Keegan Murray right now. Like, because I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, he's starting out really well. He's ranked really well, but he's like, he's probably not that good. If I can, people are thinking, um, I'm going to sell high on Keegan Murray. I think this is one of those buy high 
uh, players because I, I I just like his trajectory right now and I like his role with the Kings. All fair. I'll say this about Murray. This is the one thing that kept me from drafting him in a lot of places, and the one thing that I'm still pretty worried about is per 36. I'm talking per 36. 0.9 steals, 0.6 blocks, one and a half assists as a rookie. If those numbers revert back, like what are we what are we getting super excited about here? Yeah, if you're talking about a 17 and 8 player who hits three threes, like there's a lot of those players yeah, out and, there. Yeah, and like um, even if you say like oh he does get a steal and half a block, like those are good, but they're not like game changing. And so like I mean, I guess if I can buy for really cheap, I'm I'm into it, but if I you know what I'm saying? Like, I gotta buy at the right price. I gotta sell at the right price. Like, um, of course, he went 111 in drafts. Is he gonna finish better than that? I would say yes. Um, but I don't think he's gonna finish yeah. anywhere near 32. So, like, if I'm trying to buy him, I, I mean, like, I'd definitely give up anyone outside the top 100, anyone outside the top 75. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, I'm talking about like, would you throw Clay Thompson for Keegan Murray right now? I would. Yeah, I mean that's a fair question. I mean, I at this point, oh, man, that's tough. It depends on what your team needed too, in some ways, right? Because like, Clay's Clay's gonna get you a little more points. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Keegan Murray, but I'm also like, just I don't really think he's going to keep up anywhere in this production. I would say, end of season, he ranks eighty fifth. Okay, well, I'm gonna go above that. Put it on the put it on the board there. I'm gonna take the over on 85. Uh, that's for sure. I, I I like him. I think he's I think he's very good. Um, two rookies I want to talk about are Brandon Miller, the guy we were like I don't really think you need to draft Brandon Miller, and Asar Thompson, who we did say like Hey, yeah, take a flyer on Asar. Asar is already in starting lineup, already playing well for Detroit. Um, is already um, getting like good rebounds, good points, solid solid counting stats for a rookie. Um, the 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 percentages hurt. I'll tell you that. Uh, I don't I don't think the percentages are, uh, you know, something I I, I like to uh, to tout because he, I mean he's shooting thirty two percent. But like you're talking about a guy who's getting like blocks at a really high rate and rebounds at a at a much higher rate and assists at a much higher rate than we thought already. Uh, in tw- in less than thirty minutes a game. Yeah, there's a lot to like and a lot to shake your head at. I guess like I don't I don't know about dislike, right? It's just like, oh, can he do this? Can he keep doing this? Can he keep getting that many minutes doing this? Um, you mentioned it like thirty two percent from the field. Can can you keep getting thirty minutes a game shooting thirty two percent from the field? Um, I'm not sure. The blocks just seem very oh. suspect to me too because, I mean. Yes, he is an exceptional athlete, but he's six foot seven. Like, when was the last six foot seven guy we've seen block two and a half shots a game? Uh, Draymond Green. Yeah, I mean, like, but is he Draymond Green? Like, no, I don't think he is. Um, and so I think this is just a small sample size. Now, the question for me would be like, and by the way, Draymond Green career best blocks was one point four. So, uh, 
close. He is an inch shorter though than uh, Sorry, Thompson. Um. Okay. Yeah, and like if he's one point four blocks, that's fantastic. But like, it's definitely a big difference between two point five and one point four. Um. I'm interested to see if he can even get you a block a game because I don't really think he will. Like, I think this is just like one of those weird situations where like he's gotten ten blocks in four games. And he ends the season with, if he plays 70 games, like, 50 blocks. Yeah, a bit of a small sample size theater. I, I would definitely sell high on a SAR. Like, rookies are going to be up and down. And, like, these are not like these are great stats because you, you basically probably either got them off the waiver wire or got them with your last pick. These are fantastic stats to just ride out if you can't sell high on him. Just, like... Keep putting them in there, especially if you're in a punt percentages build. Just keep running them back and forth until and maybe this is a hot streak and he cools off and he loses favor in that starting lineup, which I don't know why uh, Bogdan's coming I back. Guess, uh, Bogdanovich coming back, yeah. maybe. Right? So, you know, sell high right now. Uh, and we'll, and then when Bogdanovich comes back, you might you might have to drop Well, him. Killian Hayes is also in that starting lineup, um, so does Bogdanovich replace him? That I don't know. Eventually. The other guy who's in a lineup, um, you know, I'd say a lineup question mark, but who's playing 31 minutes a game, Brandon Miller over to Charlotte, um, has slid in really nicely in, into the Charlotte team. Uh, shooting, getting the line, this is the this is the number I like. Getting the line three, about three times a game, shooting 90% from the, from the line. Like, as a rookie, three games in, going to the line three times a game, that's like a like a trajectory that you know. Once you learn the tricks of the trade, you're headed towards six, and that's that's really nice. He's already averaging seventeen and six. Eh, the the rest of the counting stats not that great, but from a guy like like I said, who was basically undrafted, really solid return already. For sure, um, we're gonna need to see some steals and blocks though. Like we, he was point nine and point nine last year in thirty two minutes a game for Alabama. Um, you can't be point three and point seven, and really help your fantasy team too too much. Yeah, if he becomes a one one two three like two three boards a game and a one steal one block guy, now we're talking about a guy who's in the top fifty already. Yeah, but he's I mean he's definitely an interesting player and he's super talented. So I mean like I don't really have I don't really hate taking a flyer on him, um in any kind of league or like even if I'm trading like one of my last couple picks for him like I'm fine with that. Um, he's definitely got upside, but. I don't think he's going to be anything that, like... I don't think he's going to be a top 50 player. He might not even be a top 100 player. Like, it's been three games. And you mentioned it. There's going to be a three-game stretch this year where he shoots, like, 25% from the field over the three games because he just can't make a shot. Guaranteed. This is all very small sample size theater. I think these are a lot of guys who, like, who's... Like, a lot of the players that we're not talking about, like, the slow starts from really good players or the really hot starts from... Mediocre players who've been in the league six, seven, eight, nine years—they're going to revert to the mean. Like we say it all the time on the show, all those dudes always revert to the mean. If there's any particular guy you want us to talk about, definitely hit us up on Twitter at Watch the Boxes at Tyler P Watts. I particularly talk about these players because I think their mean is either undecided and/or more volatile than we uh, th- than players who have been in the league uh, for a much longer period of time. We don't know where. The mean is for Scotty Barnes or Jalen Duran. We certainly don't know where the mean is for Brandon Miller, um, but like someone like PJ Washington, 
would you rather have Brandon Miller the rest of the season or PJ Washington the rest of the season? Uh, I don't I don't know if I would put money on Brandon Miller finishing ahead of PJ Washington by the end of the year, but Brandon Miller's ceiling is certainly higher than PJ Washington's. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd rather have Washington in that, but at the same time, like if you're like, okay, the best case scenario happens for both these players, it's definitely Brandon Miller who's the better player. Yeah, if I, if I needed my team to be better because it's not that good, then I want PJ Washington. If I'm have the luxury of taking some flyers, what I like to do, um, basically do two like two for one trades, where you actually send two play like like you're getting their best guy, you send two players over, but always add that second player on their team. Don't I? I would actually recommend never do a real actual two for one. Do a two for two. And then put in a player like Brandon Miller, um, like uh, someone who's on their bench who they either maybe like or don't like. You have no idea. But if you could get Brandon Miller back in a two for one as the as the other two that was that 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 they would have dropped anyway once they got their two players, that's a really savvy move here at the beginning of the season. Is you know just taking getting that extra flyer back in a trade. Oh, one hundred percent. And I I'm like I'm a big proponent of doing this like. I look at your roster and like I go like okay well this is your worst player, um, is he helping my team? Is he not? If he's gonna if he's potentially gonna help my team, then yeah, I want him, right? If it's like oh he's just like using it as a streaming spot right now and it's I don't know Chetty Osman, then I'm just like okay well you can just drop Chetty Osman yourself. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see where the rotation goes uh, in Charlotte. I don't know if Miles Bridges is going to play basketball ever again. Uh, that is something for the NBA to decide. But right now, Brandon Miller is part of the rotation. He's uh, he's played thirty almost thirty two minutes a game, and I I really if he's on your waiver wire, go pick him I up. I think it's more likely if they find Absolutely. someone else to play around, like you know, in, in sort of those positions. I think it's more likely that they tell Gordon Hayward he has to go home than than they do like sit Brandon Miller for an extended stretch. Like you're the Hornets, what are you winning this year? Nothing. So why not play your number two pick and try to you know get him better for the long term? Yeah, you you definitely aren't uh, going to. You're not going to win much. Are they the worst saying. team in the East? Like um, other than Washington, who does? I mean, like Washington's the worst team in the East, but like are they the second worst. It might be. Like Pistons look better than them right now. Yeah, yeah, they're the second worst for sure. Um, Washington has zero players who played thirty minutes. Like they keep getting blown out, and like that's actually kind of worrisome. Like at some hey, point, right, they keep getting like they're gonna get blown out like over half their oh, games. Yeah, I mean we talked about this at the beginning. Like, yeah, Jordan Poole has to score twenty points a game, but like just because he gets twenty points doesn't mean he's not gonna do it on twenty five shots. And like you mentioned it, like they you know they gave Avdia a contract, and I'm thinking to myself like, is this guy even like a a rotation player on a winning team? Because he hasn't been. He's never been on a winning team. Could he be, yeah, he'd be a rotation player yeah, on a team. and it's like, you know, like, Kispert's a good shooter, but is he a rotation player on a team that can win? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? And that's, like, a lot of their guys, like, all their guys. Kuzma, okay, like, you can say what you want about Kuzma. He's fine. He serves a role in the NBA. Like, Tyus Jones is a backup point guard, probably, on a contending team. Jordan Poole is a, you know, gets hot off the bench guy. Kulabale has potential. But, like, yeah, their team is scary. Scary bad. 
Yeah, I I complain about the Bulls having like a bunch of like they have like three good players and like a bunch of like bench players. The Washington the team the Washington team is a bunch of bench players. But again, though, this is the way I think you should go. You should, you should go about it if you have Beal and Porzingis and you can't win anything. Is like trade those guys for picks and try to win something eventually. Don't just pull the Bulls and be yeah. terrible in perpetuity or the Raptors. Yeah, I would much rather be watching the Bulls with nobody on it, losing games, being like, all right, cool, we're going to get, like, the best player in, in next year's draft, versus hoping the Bulls, like, watching the Bulls lose a game they should win and win a game they should lose every other night so they get a 500 record. I'm with you there. Yeah, Washington's really bad. I would actually sell. I'm selling all of my Washington stock. I'm selling it. If I have anybody, I don't actually, I think I have Jordan Poole in maybe one league. I'm selling anybody on Washington because, like I said, half the game... I don't know if anybody... First off, I don't think any of them... There's a chance nobody finishes in the top 50 on this entire team. And on top of that, there's a chance that none of them play more than 30 minutes a game because they keep getting blown out. Like, like get rid of them Like while their stock is even relevant at this point. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Uh, one last guy I want to talk about uh, that I think is worth mentioning because he was like an off the ra- another off the radar guy, uh, and a guy who I was rooting for uh, this season, uh, as I stated on uh, either on Twitter and on here as well. Uh, Jalen Suggs playing some decent minutes, playing decently in Orlando over the first four games, only playing twenty six minutes a game. Still, you know, only shooting 41%. But the steals are there, the blocks are there, and, like, those counting stats is what he can, those defensive stats and counting stats, is something he can do even in that in that 26-minute period. And I, I, I don't know, I'm rooting for him anyway, and it does seem like he is playing his way back into the rotation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been a Suggs guy since the draft. It's just, like, I don't know. I want him to be much more of a playmaker than he ever is going to be, I think. Like, his assists just keep going down and down and down. Yeah, I think he's worth picking up off the waivers. Certainly, is is um, is he going to take over Marco Fultz's playmaking position and and role on the team? Probably not. Oh, I, I mean, definitely not. I think he's more of a, a defense first guard at this point, right? Like he's a a two guard who's mostly in their first defense. Would anyone worry about our good friend Paulo Banchero? No. No, I mean somebody somebody asked me Very today if they should trade Mitchell Robinson for Vanchero, and I was like, yeah, one hundred percent, one thousand percent. I'd much rather Vanchero. Yes, every day of the week, get rid of Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson should not be on a team. Oh, I don't know about that, but I mean, he hater. I'm a yeah, hater. You, you, the hate's gone too far. He should be on a team. I mean, the blocks are still useful. It's just he's he is what he is, and Vanchero could be a lot of things, including someone better than we've ever seen him be. So. Um, not only is I think last year's Benchero better than last year's Mitchell Robinson, I think Benchero has a much higher upside to be even better than he was last year, whereas Mitchell Robinson is going to be what he was. Yeah, you have to remember it is way too early to be making huge decisions. It is way too early to panic on a player, even Paulo Benchero. It is way too early to give uh, up on someone. A- it is way too early to get too excited. There's a uh, fun thing that I do sometimes, right? So you look at Benchero's line right now, right? Um, and you just go back. Just go back in the, the game's log from last year. 
and you just look through quick and try to find his worst four game stretch. And then when you find it, you just click the little thing on basketball reference and it tells you like what he averaged over those four games, right? Um, so if you find his worst four game stretch, it is arguably just as bad, if not worse, than it is right now. So what does that tell you? There's really nothing to panic about, right? Like nothing. nothing's happening here. Everything yeah. is fine. You know, he is what he is. He is what he thought he was when you drafted him. You're just worried over nothing. And it, it is hard to suss out what is sam- uh, small sample size theater and what is real, uh, especially at this point in the season. It's far too early, like we said, to panic or to get too excited. Most players revert back to the mean. But what we can understand is rotations, minutes, and what coaches are thinking about um, when it comes to who they favor uh, as the season progresses. Those those things kind of stay consistent even after the first four to five games. If a team is playing well and they're bringing in a guy off the bench more often than not um, in those first four to five games, in the first two weeks, and they're winning, chances are that guy's going to get the minutes and they're going to bring that guy back in. Like, uh, Alex Crusoe. When Alex Crusoe didn't come in, Bulls lost. Now that they're winning, they brought him in. They're going to keep bringing him in. Right? Pat Williams is not good. Um, Pat Williams is not a good basketball player. Alex Crusoe is is a very good basketball player. So chances are those minutes are going to go up while Pat Williams' minutes go down. Those are probably going to be things that you can project into the future. The rest of the stuff, too small of a sample size, but there's a lot of good players out there. Uh, Tyler, you got anything else you want to talk about here in the middle of week two? Uh, yeah, I, I'll give you one player that I think is uh, he's he's okay. floating around the top twenty. I think um, he's ranked twenty first. Cam Thomas. I keep getting a lot of questions about Cam Thomas. Ah, yes. And I'm very confused by why there's questions. What can Cam Thomas do? Score. That's it. That's it. He can shoot. He can score. He can score. And Honestly, he's not even really, like, uh, an elite shooter. He's an elite scorer. Because it's not like he's shooting Steph Curry, you know, 40% from three on nine attempts a game. Like, he's a career 31.9% three-point shooter. He literally just goes out there and gets you a bucket and another bucket and another bucket and another bucket. He's averaging 33 points a game for his first three games. But again, like... If you have this guy, this is the ultimate sell high. Because A, he's shooting sixty-one point four percent. That's there's no way. Not on the shot diet he's taking. There's no way for this person. His effective field goal percentage, Mike, sixty-four point nine. That doesn't even seem like a real number, right? Incredible. Yeah. There's no one in the league who does that, except for maybe Jokic, I guess. Um so yeah, like and so, again, even if you say, oh, he's going to score 20 points a game, great. So he's going to give you 20 points. If you're lucky, four cool. rebounds, two assists, half a steal, and no blocks. No block. Literally no blocks. And less than 1.5 three-pointers yeah. a game. and so, like, even if you say, oh, well, the percentages are good, great. So you want points and percentages. Okay? I, I guess, if that's your thing. But, like, that's not really helping you that much. And so, like, I get it. He's looking really good right now because he has three elite categories. That's why he's 21st. But like, 20 points a game isn't really that elite anymore. And I'm not even sure he can score that, right? And so, it's... like, 
Yeah, let's say he's scoring. Let's say he's scoring twenty-two a game, right? The only reason I'd be kind of interested in him is if he's getting to the line. Because right now he's getting the line ten times a game. That's ridiculous. That doesn't seem sustainable whatsoever. But let's just say he's figured it out. He's twenty-two years old, and he's just like, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to run into dudes. I'm going to get fouls called. I'm a I'm a, a savant when it comes to this. If he's getting the line eight times a game and shooting nine, around 85 90% from the line, only if you care about free throws would that matter. And then you're still talking about guys like 22 points, doesn't do much else, and gets you free throws and points. That's it. I would say this. Uh, so you just said, you mentioned the guy, right? Yes, who's averaging 22.3 points a game, 6.7 rebounds, which is way more than uh, he's going to get. But... 48% from the field, 89% from the line. Kyle Kuzma ranks 63rd. But like, again, if you can sell him for, yeah. like, a super high value, I would do it. I don't even... I would venture that Cam Thomas is ranked outside the top 100 at the end of the year, especially in total values. I would agree. I think absolutely. This is a 100 billion percent sell high. Like, a, a player who is very similar to... Cam Thomas would be like Cam Thomas is a poor man's Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero actually hits threes. Tyler Hero actually gets rebounds. Tyler Hero actually gets assists. Yep. Like those are the things that Cam Thomas does. He doesn't do. It. He scores. That's it. So um, it's so high. Stop getting to. Like I said, you can't. You should not be excited by any. Like the percentage is the easiest thing to go look at. Is this person? Is is this person's shooting historically high percentage-wise or having historically low percentages for his first four games. Okay, cool. Pascal Siakam's shooting under 40%. Pascal Siakam doesn't do that. Pascal Siakam will be fine. Jimmy Butler's shooting 32% right now. That's not going to be... That's not going to happen moving forward. Yeah, I mean, and Butler's been dealing with some injuries too, so, like, you got to factor that in too for some of these guys. Like, if you see him missing like a game or two with like this soreness or that soreness, like it was probably affecting them in the game or two that they played so far. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, buy low on Jimmy Butler, buy low on Pascal Siakam. Like, right now is the time to exploit. Like, don't, like we're saying, like, don't panic, don't get too excited, but also, like, don't, yeah, buy, buy towns. Like, there, there are 37.1% from the field. And people are freaking out like that about that whole yeah, Gobert not, Towns pairing as it is. So like, you might be able to buy Towns for like a top barely guy inside the top fifty and get a top twenty player, or top twenty five player out of that. I would love to do that. And if you have any questions about your team or any other players or anything you want us to hear us talk about, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me at Watch the Boxes Tyler. Where can people find you? Can you can find me on at Tyler Twitter? P. Watts. Beautiful. If you like the show, rate, review us. Um, it's week two. It's early. Chill out. See you next time. Take it easy. And uh, God, I don't know. How am I supposed to end this show, Tyler? Have a good one, everybody.